So first of all, I want to clear a misunderstanding. I'm not from the BBC at all. Um, in fact, I'm from the BBC Worldwide. So anyone know what is the BBC Worldwide? No, it's a good start. It's uh, the BBC Public Services Commercial Harm. So in other words, um, since 1995, when this organization was created, the UK government has asked the BBC to help supplement the license fee. So the BBC Worldwide has been created as a commercial body, bought the rights of some of the IPs from the BBC Public Service and sold these IPs or the rights uh, of these IPs all across the world to supplement the license fee. So that's the BBC Worldwide. And the job from uh, a consumer point of view for the BBC Worldwide is to entertain the world. That's what we do. And we do this with this type of brands. Um, you may have heard about Top Gear, Dr. Wu, Dancing with the Stars, BBC Earth, CBBs, the Stig, it's a brand in its own right. But we are now faced with a challenge. Um, we've been pretty good. We have a good track record of exporting that British content all over the world. But the market is moving in amazing directions. And this is what I want to talk about today to you. So when I've been approached by Frontiers of Interaction to think about that subject, uh, my my thinking, my first thinking was how to define revolution, right? And in our world, I think uh, the revolution, is, it's about the intersection of the web and linear broadcast TV, which is changing the way that we consume and found content. But that is the revolution I think we are talking about. And one of the first buzzwords in this um, definition is catch-up TV. So we are changing the way we watch TV, are we? Are we changing the way we watch TV? In fact, if you look at the patterns of consumption of TV, for an average person in the UK, and probably in Italy as well, uh, it all starts with the radio in the morning, then there is an always-on consumption of TV content on Internet, then the, the broadcast TV um, grows and peaks around nine, 8 to 10, and that's the new thing, which is catch-up TV, then supplement linear TV. So the reality is, we're not changing the way we consume TV. In fact, we are going to bed much more later, and we are much more tired. That's the reality. And this is happening since, 19, since 2007, when we've uh, introduced the iPlayer um, in the UK market. The second buzzword um, to help explain that revolution is video on demand. So yes, it is a big market, growing about 240 million pounds of value in the UK itself an amazing acceleration of on-demand video uh, online versus, um, versus on TV. And, of course, it's a global uh, thing. It's, it, it's, uh, it's, in fact, much more bigger in terms of household um, equipped with, with uh, on-demand devices in Asia Pacific than it is in, in Europe. But that's the second buzzword, video on-demand. And that's the fact. Together, catch-up TV and video on-demand tends to increase the amount of TV that we are watching. So remember what your mama was telling you when you were a kid, watching too much TV? That is still true. You are still watching too much TV, even though you think you're not watching too much TV. In fact, most people in the UK think they're watching about two hours of TV every day, when in fact they are watching about four hours. So we are watching more TV. Catch-up and video-on-demand supplement linear TV. But the reality is... 
these new trends, they do not develop as fast as we may think. In fact, about 90% of TV is still being consumed at the point of broadcast. It's still live TV, what we're talking about. And the reason being, it's pretty simple. People want to share at the same time the same things. So, yes, it's a growing market. Yes, um, it's an important market. But the truth is, we are still watching TV at the same time. So if the revolution is not about catch-up and video-on-demand, what is it about? It's about creation and engagement. The problem is choice. We have too much choice. In the UK, I think we have about 4,000 hours of TV content available every day, which makes about 3 million hours every year. An individual consumes, on average, 0.05% of all of that content. So yesterday, we were decided what you should watch. Today, you decide. Tomorrow, and in fact today, your friends help you decide what you should watch. And this is the third buzzword, social TV and second screen. So second screen is prompting social TV to develop. Um, four out of five owners of tablet and smartphone actually use their devices when they watch TV. They do this to browse the internet, to search for information, to uh, go and shop but also to chat with other people. And they chat because they want to know what people are thinking about when they watch the show live, because they want to tell their friend what they're watching, and, and they want to know what their friends are watching. And what we've realized is that, of course, that trend doesn't apply the same way for all content. Social TV is much more a reality for comedy and reality TV um, and uh, sports than it is for drama or factual content. In terms of the scale of this, um, and this is a study that was released at MIPCOM in October of this year, uh, in fact, Latin America is um, a huge um, uh, consumer of, of social TV. Uh, USA is on par with, with, with that, and uh, Italy is, uh, is on par with UK and, and, and Portugal in general. So it is a global trend, much more developed in Latin America for some reason. Based on that trend, an industry is thriving and growing pretty fast. And you may have heard uh, that Nielsen released something called the, the Nielsen Twitter TV ratings about a couple of weeks ago. So what is this? It's a partnership with a number of startups and Twitter to actually try and um, define the multiplayer effect of people posting tweets when they watch shows and people reading these tweets. So the point is to prove that there is a direct correlation between the amount of social conversation and the people that will then watch the show, and therefore the TV rating, and therefore the ad dollars. So it's new. It's one tentative to link social and TV and, and to try and prove the point that social drive TV tuning. But no one really knows what that means, because if you look at, for example, the finale of Breaking Bad in the U.S., it was the first um, in terms of conversation online, but it was not even in the top 10 in terms of TV rating. So the correlation of social conversation and TV rating is not proven yet. That says the race is on to prove the point. Comcast, as partner with Twitter, as part of the Amplify program, and uh, as part of an innovation also to actually substitute the remote control with a tweet. So from November of this year, people in the US, about 24 million uh, subscribers of Comcast, 
will be able to click on the seed button and see the live TV uh, programming or record that content directly from the tweets. So the race is on to prove the points, and that will help prove the points, because then we will know whether there is a direct correlation between social conversation and TV ratings. Of course, nobody wants to be out of this market. And then Facebook released uh, at MIPCON on the 8th of October something called um, the Public Feed API and the Keyword Insight APIs. So these two APIs, what do they do? The first one, they allows a broadcaster to take content from brands, celebrities, and uh, public profiles to extract that content and to show that content on TV. Nothing new. It's been done already. But first time that we can do this from Facebook. It has been tested uh, with ABC Dancing with the Stars um, and um, apparently was pretty successful for them. The second, the second API that I've released is called the Keyword Insight API. So this one is interesting because where Twitter measures the reach and the volume, Facebook Keyword Insight APIs will help broadcasters understand the audience. They will help the broadcasters get some demographics, aggregate demographics. Who is watching my show? age, where, sex, location. And that may actually help broadcasters customize the content. They may help them select different talents. They may help them revise the storytelling because the insight is going to be a quality insight rather than a quantity insight. Whatever happens, content is the key. But not just any content. Content that will extend the story outside of the show. Because at the end of the day, we want to be involved. We want to be part of the story. We, and, and the broadcasters that will succeed and be profitable are the ones that will manage to get people involved beyond the show. So I don't think we're talking about a media revolution. I think we are talking about a media evolution. And so the question is how the BBC is addressing this. Well, like the CEO, uh, Tim Davies, said last week, um, unveiling our strategy for the, the coming years, we're going to do what we do best. We're going to create premium content. And in fact, we plan to grow our investments by 30 million to some 200 million um, pounds per annum. We will create a um, new brand in the process. We will also introduce three new channels uh, across the world. And we are moving from being a B2B organization to a B2C organization. Therefore, we are securing our own route to market. So what that means? That means um, we have been using social and we are going to use social more and more. At BBC, it's about 17 teams um, active on 73 Facebook pages, 74 Twitter accounts. 50% of the audience is being found on our global pages, Facebook Top Gear, Facebook Doctor Who, Facebook BBC Earth. Um, We've started social a couple of years ago because we found a need to bridge the gap between moment when the show was on TV and the next uh, season, sometimes six months. So we created, we, we, we started engagement to bridge that gap and to um, have an always-on conversation, if you like. We've been doing pretty good in terms of engagement, according to social bakers. Um, and we, we've done this in a very focused way. We, we've not just created Facebook page or Twitter account for the sake of it. We've done this either to, to raise awareness of new show, either to build on our community to send traffic to our websites, either to connect and engage to help secure the recommission of content, or either to create a desire for consumer product purchase. We've done that through a number of activities. Uh, that's our playbook, really. 
And um, what I want to show now in, in the next uh, three minutes or so is how we've used social to reach each of these objectives. So awareness, first activity, first outcome. Anyone know Atlantis? Anyone know who that is? Right. One, one, one two, okay, three. I haven't done a good job in awareness then. Atlantis is the latest drama show um, which is now on air on BBC One. Um, starting from scratch, so how could we extend the content and the story beyond the show? Well, the show itself has been created to resonate with universal insights. Um, and so it was pretty easy for us to build a social approach. And the idea was to um, help the audience become citizen of Atlantis, the lost city. So it was a three-phase approach, uh, starting with discovery, which is um, which, which how most social campaigns start, really, which is you ignite, you, you, you activate your seeders, your influencers, your early advocates. In that case, we send people a box with keys of Atlantis, and the people that were the chosen one uh, and received that box were then uh, prompted to go on a Tumblr website that will then give more content for them to share. The second phase, exploration, was about us sharing that content with the mass markets. We've built a mock-up of newspaper articles, uh, we've created short videos, we've created Facebook apps, that was targeted for the mass market. And then we've consolidated all of these audiences into one community, uh, a movement where people could pledge alliance to different groups um, and, and collect things within social. An example of an awareness campaign. Traffic. The best example of traffic is what we've done with Top Gear. The topgear.com website receives about 100 million units every year. Facebook drives about 38% of that traffic We've estimated the contribution on the PNL to be about one million pounds every year for the last couple of years. Connection. It's sort of about understanding what is the social segment you're targeting. In the case of Top Gear, uh, the segment that is the most popular on, on Facebook is, is we, what we call it the petrol head with attitudes. Young people, image conscious, they like the humor, they like the beautiful uh, cars and they resonate very well with that. And based on that uh, audience, we've managed to grow um, the Top Gear Facebook page to about 30 million likes. Uh, combined with the Stig and Top Gear USA, it's about 23 million. That's the largest social automotive brand in the world. Engagement. The best example of engagement um, is to be found with Dr. Wu. We have a passion community with Dr. Wu. We are celebrating, we, we are asking the fans to celebrate the love for Dr. Wu every day, asking them to carve pumpkin for Halloween or take pictures of whipping angels. Um, one of the most successful campaigns to date was this campaign. The Dr. Wu has quite a unique feature. He loves to eat um, fish finger and custard, so we've celebrated this. In fact, uh, people have celebrated this 131,000 times over the last couple of years. That example is interesting. This time, the fans have prompted us to create stuff. So uh, some fans have recreated a Lego Stop Gear episode. Based on this, we've created an official Lego stick that was sold by the magazine and uh, he ran out of stock in two days. Commerce. The best example here is uh, what we've done in America in July. First, a world-first partnership between Twitter, Verizon, and BBC America. The idea, and I have three seconds left, um, was to give a feel of what it will be to sit with a stick driving a Lamborghini uh, on a power lap. So you would actually see the car on a power lap, 
and um, you will be prompted to check your, uh, your stick cam hashtag that will then in turn um, drive you to a tweet that will show in real time what the STIG was watching. So I don't know if we have time for a quick video, because if you've never been to Lamborghini with the STIG, it's quite amazing. Do we have time? We don't. I guess we have. And no sound. So that was what you would actually see. Um, I guess we have sound. Delicious Lamborghini feature. So that is what you would actually see from the tweet itself. That view. So that uh, campaign was actually part of the Amplify program from Twitter, and that tweet was sponsored by Verizon, um, and it worked pretty well. We can move on because I think we we've run out of out of time here. So. The outcome was about 10 million social impressions for that tweet. Um, the best ever TV rating for Top Gear and BBC America. So that, the, the point is that worked pretty well. A good example of taking content and, and, and engaging people live with that content. So, uh, of course, we've capitalized on this after the show. We've, uh, we've had action replays. Um, okay, so to the point, what's the conclusion? The conclusion is the way that we are watching, um, it is changing, but content is and always will be king. Live TV is still important and will remain important for some, uh, for some time in the future. Ultimately, what matters is that the fans and the consumers want to be involved in the stories, right? And, and the profitability of broadcasters will depend on how good they are to extend stories beyond the show. Therefore, we expect to see much more play-along adventure, uh, and we expect also that the feedback coming from social TV will actually influence product decision, and that will be the revolution for TV. Thank you. Thank you very much.